You are listening to Feel Free to Deviate, the podcast about people, their careers, and their relationships with success. My name is Jim Turbert, and I am the host of the show. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. Episode 9 features Naomi DeKauper. She owns and runs a children's clothing company called Mingo Kids, which she built from scratch without any previous experience. It was really fun talking to her, and I think you can hear that in the recording. I'm sure she has fears and anxieties like everybody else, but she approaches everything with great courage and conviction. And what I admire the most about her is her ability to put everything in perspective. She does not sweat the small stuff, and she fearlessly dives into whatever interests her. We talk about her business and about how being dyslexic can be a strength and that it forces you to think outside the box. Speaking of thinking outside the box, I noticed that on several occasions, the topic of the podcast veered from success to being critical of the education system. I'm not just talking about this episode, but some others as well. And I realize that may not be why you are listening. Also, it may not seem like it has anything to do with success, but I think it's an important part of the conversation. If you're a person who survived the system and now has kids in the system, it's easier to see the faults. That is, unless you fit perfectly into the rubric. If that's the case, you may not want to see the faults. The reality is that the system works for a lot of people, perhaps even most people. That's why it's the system. But to neglect or dismiss the outliers is harmful, especially when we are talking about a large percentage of children. Not the majority, but a lot of people. Home life and the education system are dominant forces in the lives of kids, and both of those things play a role in what any person becomes. If a system keeps telling a kid that they are broken, there is a high likelihood that the kid will believe it for the rest of their life. I'm not trying to get deep. I don't have any solutions. I'm just suggesting that there is a lot of room for improvement. Think about it. If you're in a position to make some changes, or if you're a super genius who can come up with a solution, you might want to do that. Just to be clear, I'm talking about the system, not the people on the front lines. Teachers, keep doing your thing, and I hope you all get more support to properly deal with the outliers. If we can fix education, perhaps we can avoid the next generation of whiny podcasters. Let's talk with Naomi about being a successful, curious, and cool person. Also, crypto. Naomi DeKauper, I don't know you very well, but what I do know is impressive. You own and run a children's clothing line called Mingo Kids while maintaining your family and staying sane. I see you daily at the school while picking up my kid and you always seem cool and collected. Not just that, but friendly and conversant. Also, you have a great dog. The weight in working and dealing with all the kids stuff and making dinner feels heavy to me and I feel like I'm in a constant state of aggravation, yet you seem to be impervious to that. Sometimes. (laughs) Most of the time. We can get into that. My first question is, how, how do you do that? Are you naturally a calm person, is, is I guess what I'm asking? No, I, I'm quite chaotic and stressed easy, but I think there are bigger problems in the world. So small problems don't, they're solvable. That's a very healthy way to look at things. And it's obviously very true. But I can tell you from personal experience, also knowing that there are bigger problems in the world and also bigger problems in my life. Sometimes things just sort of feel heavy and it's tiresome. Like 
oh no, it's two thirty or no, yeah. it's two forty five. I have to be at the school. Yeah. And and then I go to the school. Immediately there are requests for, oh, can I go to this one's house or can this one come yeah. over to my house? Or mm-hmm. this, that, and the other thing. And all these things happen without regard for what I want to do at that particular yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. My point is that I'm unemployed. Yeah. I'm yeah. not running a clothing company. <laughs> I have yeah. to make dinner and do all that crap that everybody has to yeah. do. Go to the grocery store, work on my podcast. Obviously, everybody doesn't have to do that. But <laughs> even though I'm unemployed, I still have a list of things that I want to do or I have to do, yeah. including just trying to clean the house. And as you can see, I don't do a very good job of that. I'm just wondering, how do you convince yourself that everything's unimportant? Because I, I know other people who also know these things yeah. and they're still visibly stressed. I can oh, I can be stressed so often. But I think with the kids, it's only a short period of time in your life that you have this this time with them. I think in a few years, our daughters, you know, they don't want to hang out with us anymore. <laughs> so I feel like, okay, this is the moment we should enjoy it. And I think when they go to high school in two years time, they're like, who are you? <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> so I'm still enjoying while I can. Plus, um, I cannot concentrate that well. So I'm really happy to get off work. Half us oh. from half us two. And then I do something else. And then after dinner, then I go back to work. But when that is going different than I was planned, then I can be also a little bit stressed and uh, annoyed. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I need this break. I take walks. I know I'm unemployed now, but before at my old job, it was super flexible and nobody cared if I took a little walk. Yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of writing at my old job. So I would just get up and walk around and think about things to write yeah. in the office. Just walk around in circles in the office. Well, that's the I, best way, I think. I'm sure everybody thought I was crazy. Yeah, exactly. N- not everybody in the office, but we were in the Groothandelsgebouw and we had a an office at the end, but it's just a big glass window. So it's like a fishbowl. Oh, yeah. And all the other businesses walk by <laughs> and you know, we always what, wave and nod. We didn't know anybody's name or anything. Just, yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I would just walk around. Yeah, just to get you out of, and I think that's anyways with a creative job, it never comes from nine to five, which I hate it anyways. I think I'm less stressed now than when I was in a nine to five job where I had to clock in, actually an eight to five job. I had to be there on time. And if I was five minutes late, my manager would get a message. Oh, Naomi was five minutes late again. Mm-hmm. And that was so stressful for me. And what what, what was that job? Uh, I worked as official merchandiser at Ikea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a really cool job, but you know, you were stuck to the store rules. Yeah. So even though I had a really cool manager who was open for anything and he was laughing, you know, about this email, but still you felt stressed because, uh, you know, you have to clock in, yeah, which feels like an old factory. It's work. still a giant corporation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you're checked and, uh, oh, I cannot handle that. So that gave me a lot more stress. And this being your own boss gives me so much flexibility and I don't mind to work 60 hours a week as long as I can do it in my own time. And when I feel I want to work and when I feel I want to take a step back, I can also do that. That makes so much sense. I talk to all these people and, you know, I ask them about how this happens and how that happens. And I know my my wife is a freelancer and I don't know how many hours a week she works. It's insane, though. But she's also very stressed. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she deals with stress as well as you do. Sorry, Marlene. Maybe if you ask Carlos, he says exactly yeah. the same. Well, that's that's one of the things I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. Is that what other people's perception of our relationship is? The way I picture it is I'm thinking specifically of people from schools yeah. just because that's how I know you. 
if I'm picking up kids from school, do the parents say, oh, that's Jim. He's the grumpy, weird one. And Marlene's the, <laughs> yeah, that's what we say. <laughs> the sweet, calm one. Well, I wouldn't describe her as sweet. I also wouldn't describe her as calm. She gets it done. And I think she maintains a better public persona. I feel like when I go, it's obvious that I'm just like, oh, I don't want to be here. I just, I got to do this and go home, do some other thing. I feel exactly the same. Oh, when you do? I, yeah, because I come from a stressful situation from work. I bike to school and then I'm there and there's always something. A bird pooed on me yeah. a few days ago. Like, I come at school... <laughs> And then there's bird pool over me and I don't have any napkins or anything to clean it up. So I have to ask another mom who has everything in her bag, you know? Right. (laughs) So it really don't feel like I've got it together. (laughs) Okay. So maybe that's just how everybody feels. Yeah, probably. Plus, who cares? No, if, well, if somebody's no. got everything together, they're kind of boring. Yeah, but it's also impressive. When I see people like that, I feel like they've got some secret they need to share. And that's one of the reasons why I'm uh, talking to you, because I feel like whenever I talk to you, you're always in a good mood. That's true. If you mention something that's annoying, you don't mention it in a way like it's breaking your spirit. No. You, you talk about it just like, oh, and this happened. So we're dealing with that and then you move on. Yeah, that's really how I am. Maybe also my dad passed away when I was eight. Uh I mean, that's the worst thing that could happen to you as a kid. It's pretty bad. Yeah. You know, anything else that happens, it's not that bad as long as you're alive and you have a roof above your head. Okay. I think maybe that's what formed me. That's a pretty formative element. The first time someone who was close to me died, it wasn't a parent, but yeah, it's really... It's really intense. And I can imagine as an eight-year-old, when one of your, if you're one of your parents passes away, it must be devastating. Yeah. Plus, I needed to learn very early on that I needed to fix my own bike or, or my brother and I were cooking at home or we were helping my mom out. From an early age, I knew I needed to deal with things myself. Plus, the worst thing that can happen is you die. So if I'm late at school, is anybody going to die? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whenever we have stressful situations here that's kind of my canned response nobody died (laughs) we're good i think it's more looking at also with taking risk starting my own company was really scary quitting my job at ikea where i worked for 14 years 14 yes i started as an intern there and then carlos has his own company so yeah it was scary but on the other hand what what is the biggest risk that i'm taking if it doesn't work out I can go back to Ikea. I have oh. a job. You know, that's what I, how I felt. Yeah. Maybe I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they feel differently. Maybe after this conversation, like Naomi doesn't like to clock in. <laughs> Let's not hire her. But how many years has it been? Five years, I think now. And it's going well. It's going well, yeah. It's going slower now than before, before it went way too too fast. And now it's slowing down, which is also scary because I'm used to doubling Right, right, right. Every year. So, but I think this is a better pace that we're taking. The revenues or distribution doubled in every the year. Yeah. And well, that was so stressful because I needed to pay ahead the factories. Oh, right. So, you know, we had huge success, but financial, it didn't feel like a huge right. success because, yeah. yeah, you have to work half a year ahead paying everything. So, I think this is way better to grow slower. You know, I've been doing this for seven years now. So in the beginning, I was working at Ikea. Uh Uh-huh. While doing it. While doing this, while having a a baby and a husband that travels a lot. That sounds like a stress cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. It it was kind of hard work. 
I knew I was doing it to get freedom. And my plan was as soon as, you know, would go to school, I would be able to pick her up from school and not be stressed about my hours and all this stuff at IKEA, which gave me so much stress. So that's why I worked that hard to get there. So, And luckily it worked out like that. I'm going to go back. Where do you come from? What's your background? I did graphic design school. And then I started as a graphic designer at IKEA. But I always wanted to do interior design. So I did an evening school for interior design. And then I saw there was a job opening at IKEA Delft, which was then the concept center where they tested all new stuff and uh, traveled a lot. So I applied for a job there as official merchandiser. Yeah, it was really cool. I had a really, finally, a really cool manager who Mm -hmm. understood me and let me free and do whatever uh, I was good at. So I traveled a lot for IKEA and we built a lot of new stores and... And then together with a colleague, we came to this idea to start a children's clothing brand. Why? Who was this colleague and why was that the thing? Good question. I met her. We went to Santo Domingo, to the Dominican Republic, to build an IKEA store. So I met her there. She was Swedish or she is Swedish. When Yuna was two years, I traveled a lot to Sweden for IKEA and I bought a lot of children's clothing for her. Mm -hmm. Or actually since she was a baby. And I saw a lot of nice basic kids wear in Sweden. But then she turned two and I thought... Okay, where is all this basic clothing? It's all Disney and all these prints and stuff like that. So I was talking to her about it and then she said, let's start something ourselves. So we found a mother and daughter who had a seam company in the north of Holland. And they started producing our first items. And then after two years, it was also way too much for them to produce. To It was all home seamstresses who made everything. The idea was really nice because we were in a crisis back then, still at the end of it. And I thought, okay, why outsource all the manufacturing outside of the Netherlands? Why not do it in the Netherlands sure. and keep the economy within? Which was a nice idea, but when you grow, it's not possible. It's unsustainable. <laughs> Those ladies are busy. Yeah. <laughs> And so, so then we moved the production to Portugal, which still felt like, okay, it's within the EU. Um, mm-hmm. We can go there twice a year or every year yeah. and check out the factories and know that's made in a good way. This colleague of yours from Ikea, did she ever run a clothing line before? No. Did, did either of you have any idea how to run a clothing line? No. So in addition to just starting the business, you're, you're basically learning the business yes, as well. Yes, everything. To bookkeeping, we didn't do anything. Bookkeeping is horrific. Yes. <laughs> as you probably know, but I'm assuming you have a guy now or a gal. Yeah, but still you have to do so much shitty administration yeah. work. I mean, that takes up so much of my time, which I hate. And it's boring. It's boring. And it needs to be black and white, sort of. And I'm not a black and white person. Everything is crazy with me. That's the annoying part. Starting a company and it's fun to make a brand, you know, and uh, the marketing and everything. But I think the biggest part is also managing your coworkers, doing the bookkeeping, whatever, all this administration. And it sucks the energy out of you uh, or out of me. (laughs) I think it sucks the energy out of everyone unless you're the type of person who enjoys doing that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We have a book outer. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he enjoys doing it. (laughs) thankfully some people love this black and white exactly bookkeeping is the best thing he takes joy in calculating things in his head (laughs) just to prove he can do it it's like a party trick for him it's amazing (laughs) the actual business end of business is, is what ends up killing it for for most people i think so especially if they have a baby yeah or a toddler and another job yeah But then at that beginning, it was still a lot about the branding and 
what kind of style. So in the beginning, it wasn't that much about the bookkeeping and all the other stuff. It was more the creative part yeah. of it. And then, you know, we started selling it and people loved it and we're posting it on Instagram. So that gave also a lot of energy, of course. Positive reactions are good. Speaking of, if you like this podcast, you should tell people about it. <laughs> Just a little bit of self-promotion there. Do you think that it was luck that it started so well? You mentioned that you started during, this must be, I guess, in 2008 or so. Yeah, a little bit later. The end of At the end of it, like 2013. It's a hard time to get something like that rolling. But if you're making physical goods, whether it's electronic hardware, clothing, anything, you have a lot of competition. Yeah. A tremendous amount of competition. Yeah. You can go to H&M and get a t-shirt for seven bucks. For a lot cheaper than our Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My kids wear your stuff. It's lovely. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> it's very durable. And Marlene is always saying, I wish there was one in my size. Oh, yeah. That's a good which thing. I'm sure yeah. you hear all the time. It's shocking to me that it grew so quickly in dire financial times when there is so much other stuff out there. Yeah. Why do you think that uh, is? I really saw this opportunity with Instagram. And because okay. I was a mom myself, I really saw how I was shopping and how I got influenced by oh. other Instagram. And Instagram worked a lot different than it does now. Back then, I saw how I was shopping because of other moms posting pictures of their kids in new clothing or whatever. I saw this opportunity and that really worked for us because we never had to put any money into marketing. We were just posting pictures on Instagram and giving inspiration and that really helped us. So aside from social, do you do any other marketing? Now we do. Now we have to because... Where do you do it? We do Facebook ads. I consider that social. Outside of websites and, and these social outlets, or like, do you send stuff to mom blogs and stuff like that? Yeah, now we work with a PR agency in Germany. Okay. And uh, we even had an advertisement in a magazine, uh, but only so they will use our products more in their magazine. Because magazines, is all, time has changed so much. It really has. Yeah, and especially when you have kids, you don't really have time to read a magazine. <laughs> I never buy magazines. I have the internet. Exactly. <laughs> That's not true. Sometimes I buy magazines, but almost never. No, almost like before, never. it was the best thing for me ever to buy a magazine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the new one's out. Yeah, exactly. And then when you were abroad, like, oh, they have really Different fancy. magazines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember getting Marlene a subscription to, uh, what is it called? I don't know, some fancy architecture magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like super expensive. I was like, why? It comes out four times a year and it costs like costs like a hundred bucks. That's crazy. But yeah, it's really nice. But yeah, I would never do that again. No, no, no. I hope that time comes back. It, it was. With photography and stuff, book culture is really big. Yeah. But it's a super niche market. Yeah. You just have to know that X number of people will definitely buy this yeah, book yeah. and then you can make it. <laughs> it's not going to be the runaway hit of the season. No, 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 no. Almost ever. But still, it feels good to have. Yeah. I, I, I always liked having magazines too. I used to, I used to have several subscriptions. Those days are gone. It's, it's all, it's very internet based now. Which has also completely changed with seven years ago uh, when I started this company. It's so different. So you need to continually develop if you have a business. How much, how much of your time do you spend on that versus the other stuff? The, the other stuff is taking over most of my time. So I always feel I should put more time in these kind of things. But I think now I'm, I'm moving more... Uh, yeah, maybe it's taking 20, 25% of my time now. That's a lot. I find that sort of thing very hard. Yeah, I work with freelancers who do this stuff for me and then I just have to check. 
you talk about having this intuition about clothes. Well, you didn't use the word intuition. That's my word. But you saw an example of something that influenced you and then you used it for yourself. I never know what people are going to like on social media. No. I'll make something, put it up, and I'll think, oh, this is going to be gangbusters. People are going to love this. I get like four likes. <laughs> and then uh, like some random picture that yeah, I never thought like about. That. Everyone loves it. And I just like, why? Why do you love this so much? I just don't understand. Do I, am I that out of touch? <laughs> I, I guess that just means that I really should hire somebody, but I can't hire anybody right now. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, diversify my online content just to at least so I can figure out what people respond to because I just don't know. No, it's exactly the same. You have to try certain things out and then you see where you get the most response. And then after half a year, it changes completely. Oh, really? You know, you never, it's never set. You can't rely on the tried and true. But I have to say, I'm also getting old because I feel like the whole time we should have a TikTok account. (laughs) I cannot put the energy into figuring out how TikTok works. I prefer Instagram. Someone told me I shouldn't talk about this kind of stuff, but I'm just going to talk about it for a second. I'll probably cut it out. People are smart. They see when somebody's selling something, and that's what I always try to stay away from. Just to do something I really believe in, and I really think kids would love to wear it, and parents would like to see their kids wearing it. You know, And, and they feel comfortable in it because yeah. it's soft, and I've always hated selling my stuff, even if I made something like art or whatever. Uh-huh. I hate selling. It, it should speak for itself. It should be that good that people just want to buy it and you don't need to sell it. That's what I like the most because I'm not a person who sells well. <laughs> you're, you're not a salesperson? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> I think being a salesperson takes a specific personality. It's a lifestyle choice. <laughs> so with, with all this toiling, this working and the, the searching, do you think of yourself as being successful? That, that's the thing. Because you always feel like it can just disappear. Where is the end point, you know? It's never, it can all, all of a sudden. It can just go away. It can go, yeah. Or you not be success anymore because there are new brands and they do new things. And yeah, it never feels finished or anything. I think we were really successful or still am. I would say so. But I could always see all the stuff that still needed to be done or could be better or... That's the case with everything. Yeah. Even with giant brands. Yeah, it goes with flows. And I think now I have something, it's established, you know, it's running, it's, mm-hmm. it's like an oiled machine, but then it became, becomes also a little bit boring to me. So I need something uh, new. How do you deal with that? The new sweatshirt technology? No, no, no. <laughs> now, now I real, I'm working now on a new brand. A new brand? Yeah. <laughs> Part two. Part two, yeah. I'm really into crypto. <laughs> Well, that's uh, that's one of my questions. Just so random. (laughs) Well, it is. I notice now that I put more energy in in that part because it's all new and a new way of thinking. And Mm -hmm. the same what I had with Instagram back then. It's a new way of showing your products to people. I think that's what I find interesting. So learning crypto stuff for you is is a way to keep your mind fresh and active. Yeah, learning something new, I think. But also this generation, this millennials... They're so interesting. Oh, really? You know, us 40 plusers have yes. an idea of millennials. <laughs> I'm fine with millennials. I love them, actually. I mm-hmm. think they figured it out better than we did. Okay. I think we just followed what we should do, you know, go to school. and. Mm-hmm. I haven't figured anything out. <laughs> anything. Zero. I figured out how to edit a podcast. Yeah. 
So <laughs> I cannot do that. <laughs> you could. If there's a lot of videos online. <laughs> you could start your own clothing brand. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I, I will. In a new... No, I think it's maybe it's also because of the pandemic. You know, you're kind of bored. And then I was done with all this boring. Oh, there are more people infected and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was also maybe escape of that. While I was into this, listening to all these YouTube guys, just you hear also a little bit the way they are looking at life, which I find really interesting because why should you have a full-time job, you know? Or why should you go to college or whatever, you That's know? That's a really good question. And of course, these guys are from the US and it's probably a different story because you have huge student loans. Mm-hmm. So it takes Tremendous. years to... So why should you just go from high school and then... Find a job and learn on the job. And then probably you get at the same point as going to university and then have a huge step afterwards. Definitely. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Most of my friends work in higher education and I used to work at a school. I have absolutely no problem with higher education. I think it's valuable. I think that it's a great experience. Yeah. But I also think that it's incredibly expensive. And I think that most people probably have no business going to these places because yeah. they aren't focused enough to to know what they want to do. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if that's what it is. I think that it costs a lot of money. Yeah. To have someone validate you. Yeah. <laughs> Being on a job search now, a lot of the qualifications for the job search are having an education in this, this, or this. But the reality is that I've been doing things on the fringe of a lot of those things for 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know for a fact that I could do anything that I've looked at on the internet, yet I'm technically unqualified. Yeah, exactly. And I find that perplexing yeah. that someone can't take that into account. I'm not going to say that it's especially here. I think in in, yeah, yeah. in the business in quotes world, I think that people really want to see the piece of paper because it means lower risk or something. That's really not how I hire people at all. <laughs> yeah. But you're a small business. Yeah. You're a person who built the business from the ground up. Exactly. You're yeah. a person who learned how to build a business while building a business. Yes. And I think people that come to work at my company, they can also learn it. Of course. You know? Unless you hire a dummy. <laughs> yeah. But still, maybe even a dummy. Even a dummy. <laughs> maybe I'd rather have a dummy than somebody who thinks that they're really smart. And right. then everything that's small, annoying jobs <laughs> are, yeah. you know, too little for them. My eyes opened when my next door neighbor, he he was, I think, 22, and he just finished his uh, university, and he was looking for jobs, and he said, I only want to work three days a week because I really love sports, and the other days of the week I want to sport. So I'm looking for a house which is a bit cheaper in a little bit less good neighborhood yeah. uh, in Rotterdam. And then I thought, oh, <laughs> I never saw this as a possibility to right. just work three days, and then, okay, then you live somewhere else, then, you know. Right. But you have so much free time, which in the end is... So good. So good. Or do a job that you really think, okay, it gives me freedom or whatever. I think right. in the end, that's what it's all about because the money, yeah, it's if you don't have any freedom. What are you going to do with all that exactly, money if you're just yeah. working all the time? And you're not happy in your job. That is fairly important, I think. I have some people on the list that I want to talk to who kind of are on the other end of the spectrum. It's not that they love or hate their job. It's just that it's their job. Yeah. And the... I'm thinking of one guy in particular, I'm asking him because all of his extracurricular activities are fantastic. And yeah. I'm also asking him because I have no idea how he crams it all in yeah. because, you know, he's got three kids, full-time job yeah. for like a corporation. 
Yeah. And he's in a band. He makes video. Like he does all kinds of crap. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I just like and I don't have any of those things that I'm super stressed out about everything. <laughs> I just don't understand. How do people do it? What's wrong with me? Am no, I broken? I think if you're on the train, yeah. you know, you just when you jump off, sure, <laughs> it's hard to get on again. Even before I was thrown off the train, I, I felt that way. I just, Sorry, I just <laughs> even, but that's good. To, yeah, I was thrown off the train. <laughs> so, what are you doing with crypto? <laughs> are you just trading, or do you have like a plan? I have kind of a plan. <laughs> it started as somebody telling me like, oh, you should buy this because it's doubling every day. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I bought it. It doubled. It went like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next day <laughs> it, it fell. crashed. Of course. <laughs> and then I got like, why is it crashing? You know, uh-huh. I'm really curious. Like, yeah, but it, you, everybody knows there's so much background behind it. Uh-huh. And then I started spending way too much time on YouTube. But now I'm seeing this blockchain technology. It's great. It's so amazing. Yeah. It's so brilliant. It really is. And what I love about it most is that it's taking out the middleman. Me it's too. taking out the banks. Oh, I hate banks. It's, it can take out the governments, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it could. <laughs> we need it a little bit. Yeah, so it's going back to the essential way of life, which I really love about it. So that got me more into this millennials, how they're looking at life, but also the technology what it can offer us but also like africa what it can offer you know these kind of uh continents or countries that are you know now so ruled by the dollar or whatever they can now start to make their own economy not building it on the u.s is so interesting to me it's the whole big picture i really feel okay this will be the future it's not about a new currency or anything or it's about the blockchain i agree i think the technology is fantastic for all the reasons you just said but also just because it's it's convenient. It's just better. We have a big customer in Japan. It takes a day and yeah. it never is the same amount right. as the invoice because of all this. Yeah, in a day, a lot happens. And how many, how many banks are involved? Exactly. Their bank, your bank, whoever runs the credit card company. Every transaction <laughs> involves at least, th- at least three banks. Why? Yeah. Plus, within the banks, it takes even days. Like, okay, I can pay you 10 euros on your account and it's there right away. But actually, within the bank, it takes a few days before they handle it. Which is (laughs) bonkers. My God. Because people have to write it or type it or whatever. It's like that with everything, though. Yeah. There are so many fingers in every single aspect of all of business. Yeah. It's been crazy. Yeah. I look forward to the day when I meet one of those guys. To have them here so I can have them explain why all that crap is necessary. It's all about the money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think. Uh, I, I would love to see this working out. I mean, also, I think one of these, I shouldn't even call it coins, but they are working with Ethiopia now and mm-hmm. all their diplomas or all these kind of things are all on the blockchain. So Ethiopia is so far ahead now <laughs> with these kind of things. And I think the same happened in the European country where everything is digital Everything. Yeah, and any any other European uh, citizen 
who'd register their company there. Wow. And it's all, I don't know which country it was. A country that before was in war and I think it's somewhere close to Russia. But that's their plan to turn it around. That's what they did 10 years ago. Like, okay, we have this opportunity. We have to build this whole new country. And how shall we do it? And they went digital. And I think that's the fun part if you do this in Africa, you know, where nothing is really structured. So, and then you can build it from there and it will help these people as well. The unbanked, they call it. Because everybody has a mobile phone, but not everybody has access to a bank. So if you have access to the blockchain with your mobile phone, you can do whatever. It gives so many opportunities to think it makes everything a bit more democratic in the world. In America recently, they tried to slip this regulations of that into a completely unrelated yes. law yeah this infrastructure the infrastructure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i guess in a way it's related i guess yeah. but nobody understands it no and they're just throwing it into the into the law because <laughs> we got to take a stance on this yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but it's going so much faster than these lawmakers yeah of course you know and everybody's hooking on now and mm-hmm. you know in a few years time when they are finally ready with their laws <laughs> right i mean half of the u.s is but it's, into but it's not just the u.s though it's also china China. China, yeah, and India, you know, with a lot of citizens. So many people. Yeah. There's also this game, which I love. It's called Axie Infinity. And the people in Philippines play this game and they're making money. They breed something. You buy a few eggs and then you breed it and then you sell them. But they sell them for $1,000. That's a cheap one. But you can sell them for maybe $20,000. So these people in the Philippines are playing this game the whole time and selling these these eggs. They're, this is a virtual thing. This is a virtual thing, but they're making a lot of money. But who's buying it? Other people that think it's a good investment or are playing the game. Okay, so it's kind of like a non-fungible token Somehow, or something. Somehow, yeah. So I think also this blockchain into gaming and... Like before we were all playing Farmville, I'm not making any money on it. Not me. <laughs> I'm not a gamer. No, but can you imagine like a country like the Philippines and then these people are slowly getting a better life because of... Because of this stuff. This stuff. I think it will change the world and a lot of people that are not so into it <laughs> think I'm crazy. I don't think you're crazy. No, but uh, you know, it's hard to talk to people about it because it's a little bit too... It's hard to understand. Yeah. And maybe that's what your friend said on the podcast. It's hard to digest for some people. Yeah. And then they don't want to know it. I think it's going to happen anyways. I think that the biggest thing is people our age and definitely older, unless they're financial geniuses, just think, what is it though? Yeah. And they don't take into account that money is also not real. Exactly. No. <laughs> it's just paper. <laughs> and it's printed like crazy. <laughs> yeah. I think money is more dangerous at this, this moment than cryptos. Especially when you look at charts of the value of things, of currency, but also the cost of things over time. When we bought this house, for instance, we saw the papers from the previous owner when he bought it in the 90s. And it cost like 94,000 guilders, (laughs) which is, what, 40,000 euros? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) But that was, you know, normal then. Yeah, exactly. does that mean that contemporary currency is worthless? Yes, That's somehow. That's what it sounds like, yeah. right? It's because- getting less. It's So your dollar is worth less tomorrow than today. Yeah. That's the thing. And with a house... It only goes up in general. Generally, yeah. In the long term, most of the time, you're safer buying a house than to keep 94,000 guilders. (laughs) (laughs) In in the spar pot. Exactly. Up on your desk. I'm just going to leave this here. (laughs) Like your friend who said that he moved to a 
a less desirable neighbor in Rotterdam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that there are any well, undesirable I, neighborhoods in Rotterdam anymore. It's Delfhaven. This was five years ago. <laughs> oh, this was five years ago. Right. I mean, now his house is probably worth a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the first one on our street, the people moved out. They renovated the house. The steigers went up. The, the scaffolding went up. They made everything brand new. They sold it. It sold in about a month. Place was amazing, immaculate, about the same size as this. And it sold for 400 thousand euros which at the time was really high and then all of a sudden scaffolding went up all over the street and everybody started renovating their houses (laughs) and now the prices are astronomical if those people sold their house today they'd probably get 800 but it's not about fixing up your house anymore no it's about get like the people over here just retired and they moved they they cashed out i think someone over here may have passed away Anyway, the neighborhood is changing so fast that we paid nothing for this house comparatively. It's the same with Rotterdam. I I come from Lelystad and everybody moves to Amsterdam and that's the place to be. Right. I also bought a really cheap house Uh back then, but now I saw the same house was for sale. It was Crazy and now you see everybody from Amsterdam moving to Rotterdam because th- this is where it's happening. So I hope the same will happen with the cryptos. I mean, a lot of time people think I'm crazy. Same with starting a kids clothing brand. I think a lot of parents at school think I'm having a sewing machine in, on my kitchen table and I'm making it myself. I, I don't think that. You really think people perceive it that way? I know for sure. Okay. Yeah. And... Also, when you have a two-year-old child and you're starting a kid's clothing brand, oh, you know, yeah, it yeah, sounds yeah. really I like... I yeah, you know? But I hope the same will happen with the cryptos. I also have mixed feelings about that because you talk about the fluctuation and the volatility of the, the price, how you can actually make a lot of money. But my biggest interest in it is just the infrastructure exactly. stuff. Like, yeah. I would, if it was completely stable... That would be fantastic. If if someone were to pay me, I would like to know that it's not going to plummet the next day. Yeah. I mean, of course, if it goes up 500%, that's great. But if it can go up 500%, it can go down 500%. And I do not want that. But the infrastructure stuff is perfect because dealing with banks and all that stuff is terrible. Yeah. If banks only existed to be lending institutions for those who really actually needed it, it would be fine rather than being a requirement for every member of society to have a bank account. Exactly. Plus what caused the crisis is happening again now, you know, nobody learned anything. Nobody did. You know? You know, and it's not just financial stuff. I guess it's all tied to financial stuff. But if you look at, if you look at everything, a a couple of years ago, I watched I don't know if you know who Ken Burns is. He's an American documentarian. He's he's really famous. He makes huge, epic, large-scale documentaries about things like the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah. Uh, the American Civil War. But the one that I watched was about the Dust Bowl, which was a time when basically the entire Midwest was over-farmed and the soil dried up and windstorms would come through. And it, it was it was just devastating for everybody. It yeah. Was, there was no income farms died. Every, everybody was poor. And then some genius agriculture guy came through and said, you know, if you do this, you do this, you do this, you can rotate your crops and do the thing, grow the grass. The, the reason it was happening is people were expanding their farming land so much that they pulled out all the grasses that were holding the soil down. Oh. It all just blew away because that's just how it works. If you take away that stuff, then you ruin the ecosystem and everything dies. So he fixed the problem. Yeah, you know, he's yeah, like yeah. he taught these people techniques, and it made everything better. And gradually, things came back to life. But then, someone, whether it was the government or a company, found a giant underwater reservoir, and they said, "Oh, 
well, we found this giant underwater reservoir. We can make more farmland again. So we'll just <laughs> we'll just rip everything up yeah. and and use this underwater reservoir to water everything. So we're not going to have a dust bowl. No. But the underwater reservoir is not going to last forever. No, 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 exactly. It's all about just <laughs> sucking everything dry until you have to do something. It's just a terrible way to look at things. Isn't that the same with oil? And it's the same with oil. And <laughs> yeah. it's the same with labor. It's the same with everything. Exactly. People are not learning. <laughs> no, people are not learning. For me, that's kind of one of the dangers of crypto being so volatile that it, people can make so much money. And also this is this is what my millennial guys are saying. Right. It's quite manipulated by banks. Well, also by Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. They, like they send a tweet about Dogecoin yeah. and then it goes through yeah, the yeah, roof. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. That, that's, but that's, that's, that's a lot of power. But that's the whole psychology part I like about this crypto. <laughs> it's like chess. It is, really <laughs> is. Because I also love to look at uh, the analyzes these guys do, you know, yeah. like the four hour candles and stuff like that. If it's above a certain amount in, in your mind, okay, I sell it when it's like 50,000. Sure. So at that point, it's really, uh, you know, when, when Bitcoin comes to that amount, uh -huh. it's like, okay. It, this is the peak. This is the peak. Okay, yeah. people are going to sell it now. Or should you sell them maybe at 49,000? Because you know people will, you know, right. it's all the psychology behind it so it has so much in it it uh -huh. will help the world it it's psychology it's numbers which i like i think i just love to learn and and this is something new which can have a huge influence on the world right so <laughs> do you have plans for expanding your brand uh not expanding but starting a new brand next to it that's yeah pretty cool and yeah. is that also geared towards children teenagers teenagers oh <laughs> because i'm in that phase i wonder why <laughs> no i think one part of the success was that i am a mom and i knew exactly what moms were looking for because in the beginning when we were growing so fast a lot of men came with their advice but they were all into getting more profit and they approached it in a completely different way than yeah. i did and then i thought okay but this is the reason why it's a success because i'm a mom and i know what moms want and i know what inspires them or i know what's annoying in the morning or i know kids will wear something when it's comfortable that really helped me and now i'm thinking i'm in a different I'm starting to become in a different phase with a teenager, which is also interesting and new and see how they are looking at things and buying things. It's a new world again. Yeah, I really don't like it when kids are told what to You can also see it when kids are told what to wear somehow. I don't know. Having two kids and they're completely different people, one of them is a better dresser than the other. <laughs> but sometimes there are some crazy pattern mismatches that I just don't understand. <laughs> no. And, you know, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But it's kind of fun to see also what their their yeah. thought process is. Yeah. <laughs> or not. I mentioned this before, but I'm I'm 100% impressed by the way you seem to be managing things. And also that day you asked me on the at the school like <laughs> what did you say? You said, if I was unemployed, I would just be trading crypto all day. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of jealous of you. <laughs> I, I was like, what? What? <laughs> Who are you? I think it's so cool that you have these interests and you go after them. I, I think it's fantastic. That's one of the reasons I had you come in. And also, I'm curious how to start, not because I want to start my own clothing business, but I'm, I'm curious how people go about doing that, <laughs> especially with so much competition. I think it's also being fearless. I think that's, we have another mom at school who has, her, who has two shops. And I spoke to her a yeah. lot about it. I mean, anybody can start their own business. It's sure. not that tough. I mean, I don't know anything about bookkeeping, but you can hire somebody. But it's being, not having any fears, you know? Yeah. Uh, that That's the only thing is holding people back. 
You just have to go and do the thing. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen again? You know, you're not going to die. I think about every day how I don't have to do that because of whatever my situation is. You know, we have two people here. Historically, we've both been making decent incomes. And now there's one person and it's still enough that we're fine for the foreseeable future. It's great to have the freedom not to have to take that job at Albert Hein. Yeah, exactly. I don't have to do that. And I'm trying to find something that I like to do. And I kind of think about this. It would be great to someday monetize it somehow, but I don't have any illusions that this is going to be my job. Why job. Why yeah, not? Just, just because I, I, yeah, it's just. No, um, this is the mindset that well, you should quit. Why no, Why I, should somebody else can do this as a, as a full-time job? Sure. And not you. I totally agree. <laughs> I'm just being realistic about the people who, who make good money at this started years and years ago and the market is completely different now. Yeah. You know, regardless, I'm looking at it as something that I want to do. It's a project that I want to undertake. Yeah, which and, you are doing. Which I am doing. Yeah. And I think that that's important and that's the key. Exactly. If monetization happens, I am 100% happy about that. But I'm also just looking at it as proof that I am a competent person that can make something happen. Yeah. And that's why I've said it's a mindset. You should not think, uh, you said something before, that you're not in the illusion that this could, you know? Yeah. It's not an illusion. Why not? Why can the other guy do it? And you're, of course, maybe a few years ago it was easier, but you can find out a way, you know, for you. Sure. Well, right now I'm trying to get people to listen to it. And that's <laughs> yeah. that's a job in yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that when you started, there were aspects of the business that you were completely unaware of and they take up a giant chunk of your time and there are things about making a podcast that take up tremendous amounts of time that i just didn't even think of i'm still not even halfway through that list of things that i still need to do yeah but i'm still not halfway through the list i should do when i started this clothing company and you know you should open my inbox (laughs) and it's an explosion Uh, of shitty things i have to deal with right (laughs) and i think that's also part of my weird upbringing i think my mom always looked at our talents and focused on that and all the weaknesses you have because i'm dyslectic and chaotic and whatever that really doesn't matter you know if you know what you're good at Mm -hmm. and then continue with that and focus on getting better and doing that it it makes your life also way more happier yeah doing something you know you're good at and you love it because you're good at it or the other way around that's a good way to look at it as both of us have kids with dyslexia (laughs) (laughs) it's there's so much emphasis on getting around the dyslexia yeah well it's a brilliant thing actually because (laughs) i know i applied for a job when you know was small and they said you needed to work full time and you needed this and that. And when I came back at work, I thought, okay, I have, I have a child, but I need to show, you know, that I'm really thing. And then I had a job interview for this job, which you should work full time, blah, 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 and travel 50% of your time. Mm-hmm. And then I spoke to the, the woman who was the final manager who was hiring. And I said, yeah, why are you so out of the box? You think of brilliant ideas. <laughs> so I have my brain is not working properly. <laughs> and that's the dyslexia, which make you... Think outside of the box. Oh, okay. And, and that's what I love about this this dyslexia and why Walt Disney probably, you know, all these kind of imaginary or people or Einstein had dyslexia. It might come from that. Yeah, your brain were, is wired differently. Sure. And it, it costs a lot of energy because driving 10 times to somewhere and I don't find it interesting to remember the, the way to get there. Uh-huh. So 10 times I'm losing the way. So it's also tiring. 
but coming up with new ideas or sure. starting things, it's really helpful to have this brain that's a little bit dysfunctional in society. That's a good way to look at it. It's good to hear you say it, but it's also good to apply it to parenting as someone yeah. who has, he's, you know, we spend a, yeah, a lot of time trying to beat it out of them or to, exactly. not, not beat it out of them because you can't do that, but to get them to deal with it, create the patterns in their thinking process to make them deal with to fit way, into the school system. To fit system, into the school system, basically. Which 50% of the kids don't fit into the school system. Well, at least 50%. Yeah. Is it the kids or is it the school system it's that is broken? Definitely the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Damn kids ruining the school. You should just sit still and listen. Whether it's our school or another school, you always hear these stories about parents talking about, that one left the school, there yeah. must have been something wrong. And it's just because that kid didn't fit into the program. Exactly. And the parents of these children who are leaving, you can see that they're, you know, everyone loves their kid and everyone thinks that their kid is special or deserving yeah. or whatever. It's always written off as, you know, they're just trying to defend their kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't see that their kid is the crazy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's stressful for the kid being told constantly you don't fit in. Exactly. It's stressful for the parent being told your kid doesn't fit in. That's the worst thing you can hear yeah. as a parent. Yeah. It always gets brushed off as the kid is crazy. The parent is, exactly. is delusional. Or is it, the, but I'm speaking to so many parents and a lot of kids have issues, which they don't because when we were younger, we didn't have, I mean, we were. Oh, I have issues. <laughs> <laughs> we were just, I mean, busy or whatever, you know, like yeah. my brother couldn't sit still or mm -hmm. It was not, you know, labeled immediately. Yeah. And I don't, I think labeling is good because I'm happy my daughter and probably Ruby has got this dyslexia label because it yeah. helps. It them. means that they're getting some sort of help or exactly. acceptance. They can make mistakes now in their, yeah. in their tests <laughs> and I get some more time. I mean, I think it's, it's great, but it also brings a lot of these little mistakes in our brains or whatever. Uh -huh. I think if you focus on that, it probably means your brain is working in a different way and it's also brilliant. I mean, look at what Einstein did or I, Walt Disney did. They are famous and dyslexic. And dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> and there are also a lot of famous ADHD people. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of company owners have, I think I have ADHD, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it also brings a lot these that are labeled now as sort of a defect or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or I think it ha has also a lot of upsides. More upsides than when you're labeled normal. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like more more attention should be focused on abilities rather than calling yeah. things that you aren't good at disabilities. Yeah, and also, like, now they're going to high school in two years. Right. Like, okay, should we push that they go to a really high yeah, level? Yeah, which level you are you going to be at? Yeah. And then I'm thinking, maybe she should just go to a lower level. Uh -huh. and just enjoy being a teenager and not yeah. having insecurities of being a teenager plus <laughs> yeah. needing to perform really well at school. I think also with the, with our school, I feel like there are a lot of people whose parents are coming from a really high level and yeah. there's a lot of pressure. Uh, there's a lot of pressure, yes. And I always think about people that I went to high school with. I'm not going to say they were dummies, but no. they certainly weren't at the top of the class. And they make the most money. And they're fine and they're happy and they're smart. <laughs> they're insightful. I'm going mostly off of interactions on social media, but they write well. They communicate well. They seem to have well thought out opinions. Yeah. They are good people. <laughs> and they were not getting straight A's at the top level no. of high school. And they have good jobs and they're productive and they're 100% capable people. 
Yeah, we have book smart and you have street smart. <laughs> well, it's not even that. I think it's just functional and dysfunctional. Pressure makes you dysfunctional. That's what I think. Too much pressure. So I'm also kind of rebellious against it. So yeah. I keep on saying, just go to MAFO, you know? Yeah. But I think in the end, if you're confident, you get a long way. And not a degree, but mm-hmm. having self-confidence. Sure. And that only comes in doing something you know you can do, you're able to do, you love to do as well. And it doesn't have to do with any degree because you can get your degree. It maybe takes a bit longer. I've seen a lot of people that started at MAFO and ended at Ateneum. Of course, it takes a few more years, but anybody can in the end get there. Yeah. Because I had these girls in my school that were just you know, reading everything and putting every line exactly in their brain. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get your diploma that way. You're not going to be happy. I think. No, a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. But I mean, there is a way to get there. But I don't think you you will be happier in life if you have this certain diploma. Maybe it makes life easier. But it's 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 hard for me to say exactly because I don't come from a background where there was a lot of pressure. To do those things. But my mom came from an environment where she had to do gymnasium and oh. where she had to go to university. So she right. was really pushed. So she felt with us, I'm not going to push too much. She felt the pressure, you know, and then she she failed the fourth year of gymnasium on one ten point. And then her her dad, my my grandfather, went to school and said, okay, but you need to, you know, check it again because it was only one ten point. Yeah. And then they said, okay, but we have to get the teachers back from their holiday. Huh. My grandpa said, yeah, get them back. Get them back now. Get them back now. And she was like, oh my God. <laughs> so embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. That pressure is not good, I think. I think helping kids figure out what they want, that's good. I think it's good too. You know, you can guide them. Same with clothing. You can guide Same them. with clothing. <laughs> you can guide them <laughs> what to wear, advise them, but still. But they, ultimately, it's their decision. <laughs> yeah, if they're happy in this mismatched print. Plus, you don't know what's cool. I don't know what's cool anywhere. It's hard to keep up with that. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Not really. Do you have any recommendations for me? For you? For me. In your process. Of, in my uh, process. Any any tips? I think go for go for this. Just do. Just keep you're, doing it. You're nailing it. I'm not going to stop. That's for sure. I wouldn't say I'm nailing it, but I'm definitely trying to make it work. Honestly, I never listened to podcasts before and I was listening to that one podcast and, uh-huh. and I was walking the dog and then halfway through I came home so I had to stop listening uh-huh. and then the next day I had to drive to Amsterdam. Yeah. I thought, yes, I'm going to listen to okay. this podcast. I think that's the feeling that you want that people are yeah, looking no, for it. To f- definitely. One of the podcasts I listened to during the beginning of the pandemic, they were going once a week. Oh, yeah. And I was really psyched. And then they were just like, listen, I've got two podcasts. My life is crazy. I'm going to once every other week. And it bummed me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shouldn't have to wait two weeks. Theirs is a different kind of podcast. I'm not there yet, I don't think. But you're getting there. I'm working on it. I'm trying to make it a little bit more. You I'm, will get there. I'm working on it. If you want to get there, you will get there. I do. And you know what? I really enjoy having the conversations with people. I'm not antisocial or reclusive, but... I would also just sit by myself and listen to music or read or watch a video and not talk to anybody ever. (laughs) So this is, it's actually good because I'm unemployed. I have a fair amount of free time now. I should be cleaning the house, but instead I'm making a podcast and trying to come up with promotional materials for that podcast. (laughs) Which is way more fun than cleaning the house. cares about a clean house. Well, I could think of a few people. But you cannot see it with a podcast. (laughs) No, you can't. 
don't tell anybody that it looks like a dungeon down here. <laughs> no, like a man cave. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming along. It's, 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 it's a project. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. I hope it's not too much editing. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of editing. Sorry. But it's always a lot of editing. Yeah. Like I said before, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And hey, I'll, I'll see you at the school. <laughs> you know how sometimes you hang out with someone who is super nice and positive, but you feel like they're trying to convince themselves that they are nice and positive? Well, that is not the case with Naomi. She is a genuinely light, happy, and curious person. It was a joy to talk to her. I just saw her at the school, but she was talking to somebody else, so I didn't interrupt her. I'm so grateful that she agreed to be on the show, and I appreciate her enthusiasm and encouragement because those are most definitely things that I need more of. I love how she learned to run a company by starting and running a company. It goes to show that if you are genuinely interested in that which you pursue, you cannot help but succeed. As she says, what's the worst that can happen? Of course, if the answer is jail or death, you might want to think twice about what you are planning. Thanks again, Naomi, for talking with me and sharing your wisdom. And thanks to you for listening to Feel Free to Deviate. You are a champ. I guess if you've made it this far, I'm sort of preaching to the choir, but you can check out at Feel Free to Deviate on Instagram. Leave a comment. Tell a friend. It's nice to know that people are out there. My next guest is Esme Falk, and she is a pickler pedagogue. I'm guessing that you don't know what that is, so please check back in two weeks to find out. Okay, bye. Bye.